0: Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. You know, uh, when we're talking to uh, people about uh, science and um, the area of the supernatural is sort of something that's taboo, well, you know, that's nothing to do with science. But in actual fact, belief in the supernatural and in particular belief in the Bible as a report of man's dealings with a supernatural god, our creator, actually underpins modern science. Now, of course, when we you know read in the media and we you know hear all the you know the popular um, uh, sort of accounts of leading evolutionists in particular and atheists, um, and they you know talk about well you know belief in the supernatural. No scientists don't go there. But um, in actual fact, um, as I've just said, this belief in a creator, belief in a supernatural God, in other words, belief in this intelligence outside of humanity has actually underpinned the foundations of modern science and underpinned the beliefs of the pretty well, well, most of the scientists that laid the foundations upon which we we do, you know, modern research today. And as I, you know, think about a lot of the uh, research that is being done today, um, we're, we're filling in, you know, some of the gaps that um, was left between uh, – from the pioneers. But, you know, some of the pioneers like James Clark Maxwell – Um, Einstein, Newton and many of the physicists in particular of uh, modern time and, and, and the chemists of the 20th century really built a really, really strong framework for uh, science today and as we you know fill in the the areas of research in science particularly so in the areas of biology as we understand more about the human microbiome and the biochemistry of the human body which enables us to develop you know better great drugs and and fight disease uh, as we understand now more about um, electronics um, and superconductors and and um Semiconductors; these have enabled us to, you know, develop our modern computer uh, systems that uh, we have, and of course the, you know, development of radio communications and, and particularly um, lightweight battery systems that have enabled uh, space travel. So the chemistry behind these uh, thing, uh, these um, to this technology that we're using today, the. The principles of the chemistry and physics uh, was uh, much of it was laid uh, down in the latter part of the nineteenth century and the twentieth century by scientists who were, were Christians. I read an interesting article. Uh, it was titled "The Biblical Roots of Modern Science," and it was written by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati um, who was a uh, he trained as a, a physical chemist. But um, he has, a, has a, he's a, a brilliant logical mind. I've seen him play uh, chess, uh, blindfolded with, I think, there were 12 people he was playing blindfold. So he was just told what the moves were for the people. And this was simultaneously all at the same time, and he could remember uh, and picture the chess boards. And I, I don't think he lost any games. He may I think he drew a couple. And he has sort of looked at this data and but he actually reports on some research that has been done relatively recently and this was made a very interesting article. So the, the subtitle of this um, piece was called A Christian Worldview and in particular, a plain understanding of scriptures and Adam's fall was essential for the rise of modern science. Now again, this would... Make you know most, particularly you know, secular media commentators will you know uh, think, well, oh, what are we saying about this? Because we know that there's this uh, move, particularly in Western countries, to remove the Bible from education, to remove knowledge of the biblical uh, account. From education, and I guess one of the reasons that it's argued there, well you know how do we know that Christianity is a true religion? what about all the other you know different faiths are and 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 so forth but in ac- actual fact you know Christianity is a very historical religion and it's founded also on on prophecy in other words, there were prophecies and um, unquestionable prophecies. We have the historical evidence of documents that were written hundreds of years before uh, the birth and crucifixion of Christ that predicted the birth and crucifixion of Christ and the actual time when it would happen. And these um, you know, prophecies are powerful corroboration of the uh, supernatural nature of uh, the Bible and of... Um, the truth of Christianity, and so this sets Christianity apart from virtually all the other religions. Now, what what is noticed in this article too that many atheists and their, um, and and even some church folk now um, have, have this belief that uh, science and uh, the Bible account. Um, are sort of opposed to one another, almost like enemies. And yet, historians of science, people who have studied the history of science, and even non-Christians now, have pointed out that modern science first flourished under a Christian worldview. And in earlier cultures, such as Greece and China and Arabia, um science really didn't flourish there. You know, maths uh, flourished, particularly um, in Arabia, but um, science didn't flourish. And there are a number of reasons uh, for this, of, of course, um, and uh, some of these other cultures were looking for purpose, whereas under the Christian culture, uh, the belief in a rational creator led... The scientists in the Western culture, in the Christian culture, to sort of understand the logic. They believed that God was, for example, a, a mathematician, that God arranged things in a logical, orderly fashion. And it's interesting that, really, when you think about it, an orderly universe makes perfect sense only if it were made by an orderly creator. And um, this has been recognized by, for example a an evolutionary anthropologist and science writer Lorraine Isley stated that the ph- philosophy of experimental science began its discoveries and made use of its methods in the faith, not knowledge that it was dealing with a rational universe controlled by a creator who did not act upon whim or interfere with the forces he had in operation. It is surely one of the curious paradoxes of history that science, which professionally has little to do with faith, owes its origins to an act of faith that the universe can be rationally interpreted and that science today is sustained by that interpretation. So as I said, that was an evolutionary anthropologist, um, Lorraine Isley, and... um, if anyone is interested in uh, that, um, that's uh, a quote on page 62 of uh, Isley's book, Darwin's Century, Evolution and the Men Who Discovered It. Um, but it's interesting that the... So we here we have a, an evolutionist admitting that the foundation of science was based on the assumption that there was a creator God who organized things in a logical way. The, the other, you know, the converse of that is, of course, that if atheism was true or polytheism is true, then there's no way to deduce from these belief systems that the universe is or should be orderly. And this is a very important uh, philosophical point, and that's, of course, why many philosophers um, admit that the evidence is overwhelming, that there is some um, supernatural uh, creator, intelligent being behind our existence. Um, and as, as I said earlier, one of the reasons why Christianity is such a strong uh, religion in terms of its, its logic and common sense is that not only is there the evidence from experience that Christianity is true, but we have the evidence from fulfilled prophecy um, that Christianity, um, that the Bible account is true, and that Jesus really was the um, the Son of God, as predicted by the the Bible uh, prophecies hundreds of years before, and He came just at that time. Now, the other thing is that uh, Genesis. As well, gives us permission to um, investigate creation. Um, so God was free to create uh, as He pleased, and so uh, where one of the ways of looking at this is in areas where the Bible is silent, the only way to find out how creation works is to experiment rather than rely on man-made philosophies, as did the ancient Greeks. And so, again, here, this belief that there was a creator God and that man was given dominion over creation, um, again, this belief led to uh, our understanding of science. And the point that's being made um, here is that often people say that uh, or people think that science and religion are, are, are opposed, as mentioned earlier but what the the point that is is being made here by these authors is that the Bible talks about man's interaction with God, and as we learn more about we can learn more about God by studying his creation and the order there and they, and this is what we find we find this tremendous um, design in nature and um Another uh, sociologist and author, Rodney Stark, points out that science was not the work of Western secularists or even deists. It was entirely the work of devout believers in an active, conscious creator God. And again, um, that comes from, um, that's that's a quote from uh, Stark's um, Book published by Princeton University Press in 2003, and it's titled For the Glory of God How Monotheism Led to Reformation's Science, Witch Hunts, and the End of Slavery. So, that's a, an interesting book by our start, published by Princeton University Press, and that quote comes from uh, page 367. So, here 's some interesting point yeah another thing is of course that science requires that we can think rationally and that results should be reported honestly um, and of course this is what the whole teaching of the Bible is when the Bible says you know one of the ten commandments is to tell the truth to, well, to not tell lies and this is a something that is really fundamental in science, and this is something that scientists assume. We all, as a scientist, we assume that other scientists are speaking the truth, that they haven't fudged their measurements. They haven't uh, shown bias and altered the results in, in some way. And, of course, every so often we hear about people who have fudged the Results and this is this is really really bad because science is built up on a whole concept that you discover something and you truthfully report what you have discovered um, in the uh, scientific literature and conferences and so forth so that others can build on that so that together we can understand um, you know life on Earth and the universe and so forth. And ultimately, for good cause, uh, in other words, we're studying science, we're studying um, you know how biochemistry works and this sort of thing so that we can help. You know, improve health. We we study how ecosystems work and so forth. So hopefully, we can be stewards of our our planet and and conserve our, our our environment so that we can enjoy it longer and have sustainable food supplies and all these sort of things. So when you think about it, much of you know modern science depends on the. The Christian moral values um and particularly the values that jesus caught taught you know that we are to love one another, we are to care for one another, and we you know they have the, the famous story of the that Jesus told of the good Samaritan of the the man that was set upon by robbers, and it was a a complete stranger, somebody who would normally be regarded as an enemy who came and found him almost dead on the side of the road. Picked him up, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid the innkeeper for his accommodation, and told the innkeeper, "Look after him when I come back. I'll, I'll pay anything I owe." And Jesus said, "You know who was the neighbour to that friend, uh, to that poor man who'd been attacked by robbers?" And, you know, they said the one that showed kindness to him. And so these are the the whole principles. These principles of that underpin Christianity. Uh, really, the principles that underpin how you know, science should work. And it's it's interesting that, uh, of course, you know, people have this impression too and, and tend to blame, you know, the Christian church for the suppression of science, particularly during the, the Dark Ages. And, you know, there's a, a number of issues here. And, of course, we need to remember that there are many people... Who have claimed to be Christians, but actually don't live by the teachings of Jesus, don't live by the teachings of Christianity, and and what God revealed, particularly in the area of love thy neighbour, you know, and uh, forgive your enemies, these sort of things. And um, it's interesting if we if we look at the uh, Dark Ages, um, science, as I said, requires that we think rationally. Um, and again it 's very unreport things honestly, and according to the teachings of the Bible, but really, if you adopt an evolutionary view, why why would that be so if there 's an advantage in being dishonest, if there 's an advantage in fudging the results, which means that you get ahead in your um, university career and you earn more money and and so forth, um, and you have greater influence um, that, then that's the evolutionary view, but we can see really it breaks down. It's the biblical view that is sustainable. To be honest, to be fair, to do the right thing, the evolutionary viewpoint would be, is, it would appear, be quite comfortable with uh, fudging results if that meant that you could get ahead. And so we can see here that there are some major flaws with this whole concept of, particularly of young people today. Just being taught evolution, and as I was beginning to say, you know, there's this criticism of the church, but uh, and by you know many people with this a very popular view, but in actual fact, um, well, many historians now are recognising that the. Dark Ages was far from dark, particularly from the point of view of science. It was actually a period of great scientific advances stemming from the logical thought patterns of the medieval scholastic philosophers of the church and also the extensive inventiveness and mechanical ingenuity developed in monasteries at that time where they had time. Now, this uh, period saw the development of water and wind power, Um magnificent art, art, architecture, the ability to build a quite amazing uh, architecture it led to the development of the blast furnace and, um, and, and quite a bit more, actually. Um, and um, this is uh, noted in, a, in another book, actually, by uh, some authors, uh, V. Carroll and D. Uh, uh, Shifflett, S-H-I-F-L-E-T-T. the book's called Christianity on Trial Arguments Against Anti-Religious Bigotry um, and that's um, uh, was in Encounter Books um, which was uh to, published in 2001 and um, you can uh, that uh, was a, an area, essentially a summary from uh, their chapter 3 um Another thing uh, was, of course, it was in uh, the 1300s that John uh, Buridan developed the concept of impetus, which is essentially the same as momentum, Um, and that, um, you know, sort of uh, previously, of course, Aristotle had argued that all moving objects required a force, but Burderton proposed that after leaving the arm of the thrower, the projectile would be moved by an impetus given by the thrower. And, of course, that was the forerunner of Isaac Newton's first law of motion. Um, now, it's very, very interesting work has come out quite recently by James Hannum, who he recently earned his uh, doctorate in uh, the area of history of science from uh, the University of uh, Cambridge. He points out uh, that during the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church actively supported a great deal of science, but it also decided that philosophical speculation should not impinge on theology. So he goes on to say, furthermore to con- and contrary to popular belief, the Church never supported the idea that the earth is flat, never banned human dissection um, and certainly never burned anyone at the stake for scientific ideas. They might have done lots of other bad things over theological ideas, but they didn't over scientific ideas. He then goes on to say, popular opinion, journalistic cliché and misinformed historians notwithstanding Recent research has shown that the Middle Ages was a period of enormous advances in science, technology and culture. The compass, paper, printing, stirrups and gunpowder all appeared in Western Europe between AD 500 and AD 1500. And um, again, that's from James Hannam, who um, who got his uh, PhD at Cambridge fairly easily. Uh, recently, and um, it's a quite an interesting book, actually. It's um, by uh, Hannam. It's called God's Philosophers, How the Medieval World Laid the Foundations of Modern Science. And what uh, I just read out there is from pages uh, two to three. Um, and that's published by Icon Books in 2009. So that's a philosopher of science who uh, just earned his doctorate looking at this, um, at uh, the University of uh, Cambridge, there. So, this is uh, quite uh, a little bit uh, closer to home. Um, there, uh, you know, are other uh, scientists that, um, um, such as Peter Harrison, a professor of history and philosophy at Bond University in Queensland, Australia, and um, he's actually now the Andreas. Uh, Ideos, Professor of Science and Religion at the University of Oxford. It's interesting what he says uh, that to counter this common um, misunderstanding, and uh, he writes, it is commonly supposed that when in the early modern period individuals began to look at the world in a different way, they could no longer believe what they read in the Bible. In this book, I shall suggest that the reverse is the case, that when the 16th century people began to read the Bible in a different way, they found themselves forced to jettison traditional conceptions of the world. And um, Harrison's book, uh, by the way, is called The Bible, Protestantism and the Rise of Natural Science. And that is published by Cambridge University Press in two double o one. So there, that was uh, again um, uh, Dr. Peter Harrison, who was a sort of professor of history and philosophy at Bond University, but now uh, is professor of science and religion at the University of Oxford. And so here we can see these are the leading scholars in the world that are looking at the evidence that the Bible has paid, and particularly as people read the Bible and believed the Bible, that science really began to take great advances. And it seems to me just such a shame that today... We are trying to suppress the reading of the Bible in our education system. We are trying to suppress the Bible. And we can see that this is, you know, as uh, some of these writers claim, it's... um, you know, we we have these you know media people that are you know and and evolutionists and this sort of thing that are trying to say, well, you know, scientists now disprove the Bible. Where in actual fact, the Bible led to the foundation of science. And Professor Harrison goes on. Strange as it may seem, the Bible played a positive role in the development of science. And. Um, He goes on, had it not been for the rise of literal interpretation of the Bible and the subsequent appropriation of biblical narratives by early modern scientists, modern science may not have arisen at all. In sum, the Bible and its literal interpretation, notice that, literal interpretation, have played a vital role in the development of Western science. And... um, That was uh, uh, from an article that um, um, Professor Harrison uh, published. It was called Bible and the Rise of Science. It was published in Australasian Science, uh, volume 23, pages 14 to 15, um, and 2002. Um, And that was um, volume 23, number number three, if you want to read... uh, the full article there so you know when we when we you know consider this again we have so much uh, evidence One of the interesting things, as I mentioned earlier, there's this belief in the supernatural, belief in this supernatural creator God was there. And one of the things that Professor Harrison has researched is another commonly overlooked factor in the development of science, and that is the belief in the literal fall of a literal first man, Adam. These founding modern scientists, including Francis Bacon, reasoned that the fall not only destroyed man's innocence, but it also greatly impaired his knowledge. The first problem was remedied by the innocent last Adam, Jesus Christ. Um, His sacrifice enabled our sin to be imputed or credited to, to him, and his perfect life enabled his righteousness to be imputed to believers in him. But as for recovering what they believed to be Adam's Encyclopedia knowledge, they looked to science. And so Harrison explains, New literal readings of the creation narratives in Genesis provided 17th century thinkers with powerful, motivating images for pursuing the sciences. Adam was thought of to have possessed perfect knowledge of all the sciences – and a knowledge lost to posterity when he fell from grace and was expelled from the Garden of Eden, and, um, and so forth. And so, um, as I said, you can read about uh, that in uh, Harrison's book and a lot more in God's Philosophers, How the Medieval World Laid Bare the Foundations of Modern Science, uh, published by Icon Books in 2009. That's we can see. Modern science is based on the belief in a supernatural creator God, and I'd encourage you all to read about that uh, super creator God in the Bible. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Remember, if you'd like to listen to more of these uh, pro program or re-listen to this program, just go to uh, Google three ABN Australia and click on the listen button. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.